Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'll take that ribeye. I don't want the polenta, though. I want baked potatoes. Well, our chef actually doesn't allow alterations. What the hell are you talking about? I'm the customer. I'll tell you what's what. How you doing tonight, sir? All right. All right. Understand you don't want that polenta. Hell no, I ain't never even heard of that. No, but you've had grits, ain't you? You're damn right I have. That's all it is. Polenta's oh. fancy name for grits. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, I need to slap you on a good grit oh, right, right. You're going to get them and you're going to beg oh, me for okay. more. What's what you going to do? about that. Uh, you've been on right. the lake lately? Yeah, we're not there Sunday. Yeah, anything biting? I caught a couple small oh, I bet you have to. I bet you have So the No Dunks podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Wednesday, November 17th. I'm Jay Skeets, and alongside me, as always, there he is, Tass Mellis. What's up, everybody? What's up, Tassie? Got my top shot hot boy, Trey Kirby. Hey-yo! Hey-yo! The international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm. Our super mm. producer, making the magic happen, JD. Hello. And a special guest today, we're going to bring him in. He's a former professional basketball player. He hooped overseas in Germany, Spain, Israel. Before that, he had a fantastic career at Stanford University. Made first team all Pac-10 as a junior. He's the son of former Wizards executive Ernie Grunfeld. And most importantly, if we're being honest here, he's the author of a brand new book, By the Grace of the Game, which drops on November 30th. That's coming up. That's right around the corner. Very excited to welcome here to No Dunks, Dan Grunfeld. What's up, Dan? Guys, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. We really appreciate you jumping on. I thought at first, offline, that it was like super early where you were on the on the uh, West Coast, but you're like, no, 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 you're kicking it over here on the East Side right now, uh, meeting with family. You said, that's right. But I told you, even if I were on the West Coast, I would still be here. But uh, yeah, I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you, never... you said no. You said you would be up because you have a two and a half year old. So uh... fair. That's very fair. I would definitely be up, but I'd also be here. Oh, I appreciate um, yeah. it. Well, well yeah, I, I read about your workouts in your book. You were up at 6 and 7 with Frank working out <laughs> during your Stanford years. Listen, that, that's what it takes, man. And, uh, you know, it's funny because writing the book, I would get up early in the morning too. And, like, you know, basketball, it prepares you for that. But nothing prepares you like having a kid. So now that I have a, a toddler at home, I believe me, I'm up. Yeah, you're up. Well, look, we're going to get to your book a little bit more. I got some great questions. I know Tass has had a chance to read it. Um, but we thought we could talk a little hoops. Last night, we had a very exciting game, uh, the first game on TNT. And in the end, it was a blowout. Steph Curry dropped a game-high 37 as the Warriors. I mean, they steamrolled Brooklyn uh, and, and held KD to under 20 points. I'm sure you had a chance to watch the, the game, Dan. What did you think? Is this a finals preview, uh, Warriors-Nets here? Or what are your takeaways? Listen, it could be. I mean, the league has never been more wide open. Uh, I think it's great to see Golden State playing so well. Um, you know, and, and to see Steph at 37, I mean, he hits nine threes like like it's nothing. You know, and mm -hmm. so uh, Jordan Poole has stepped up, you know, and with Draymond and Wiggins, they have nice balance. And so, uh, yeah, I think, listen, I think they have a real shot in the West since it's so wide open. And, of course, you know, Brooklyn is always dangerous. You know, KD didn't have his best game last night. But uh, 
listen, you got the two leading scorers in the league and, and KD and Steph going heads up. I mean, it's just awesome to watch. You were a shooter, like I said, uh, at Stanford and then playing professionally overseas. Is it even wild for you that someone was like on the fringe of even making it to the NBA? Like, honestly, you're one of the greatest shooters really in the world when you count all the people that are taking basketball shots. But then there is Curry at another level. Like, is it wild to someone even like you to watch what he can do, like you said, with the nine threes? It's not wild. It's unfathomable. I mean, like, you can't even wrap your head around it. The, the distance, right, off the dribble, off the move. You know, I mean, yeah, I could shoot the basketball, but I needed my hips squared, my legs right. up to me, I needed space. <laughs> you know, this guy's off the dribble from 35 feet with the accuracy. It, it's – I can't comprehend how someone could shoot the basketball that way. And, by the way, on the other side of the floor last night with Kevin Durant, I mean, being that tall and his ability to shoot the basketball too is, is incredible. And they're doing it contested. So, yeah, like, even though I played at a high level, like, I marvel at the skills of these guys. It's unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. Lee, uh, what were your big takeaways there from the Warriors? Uh, really crushing the Nets yeah. in the third quarters when they blew the doors off. Uh, it was an incredible performance. Only 37 points for Steph. And, you know, it's like not his best game, not his biggest game. But just as far as the impact that he had on the game was just unbelievable. I mean, that one three-pointer that he hit over LaMarcus Aldridge, I mean, it's okay, LaMarcus is sort of towards the end of his career for sure here, but the way that Steph just kind of lined him up, everyone knew what was coming, he got it off, and he was halfway down the other end of the court before the ball had even gone through the hoop. Like, the confidence that he's playing with right now really makes you believe that I think the Warriors probably are the favorite right now. It's very early, of course. I think Steph's the MVP favorite, but I think the Warriors are too because it wasn't just that Steph had this enormous game. The ball movement was great. Andrew Wiggins had his six-minute spurt there where he looked like an all-star as well, <laughs> yep. hitting a couple of three-pointers. But to think this team's got Clay Thompson to come back as well, I think that's a pretty uh, a pretty good bet here that the Warriors are going to go pretty far this season because they just looked incredible. So I thought, you know, on the other side, I thought James Harden and Durant were okay, but Steph is just playing at that MVP sort of level that we've seen back in the, uh, you know, the 73 and 9 Warriors days. So I, I think it's a pretty scary uh, prospect for the rest of the league right now that I, I don't think there's a team playing better basketball than Golden State. Yeah, the Warriors are looking like the title favorites. And at this point, Clay Thompson feels like gravy. It could be Lee Ellis gravy. It could be terrible gravy. And they, but they look like the favorites right now, and they're going to be adding James Wiseman, their biggest big guy, who struggled last season, but at least will be a presence inside. And they're going to get something from Clay Thompson, even if that's just catch and shoot, get your body under you, short of jumper, sort of jumpers. That's going to help. They look completely locked in because. You know, they're an awesome offensive team, as we know. They're first in defense right now. And yeah. Draymond was on another level last night in the second half against Durant. The Warriors basically stopped switching, and Draymond just took him out of the game. That's incredible stuff. You can tell he has the extra motivation, you know, as former teammates and now friends. So I thought that was awesome to be watching him really take on that challenge of saying, Kevin Durant, you're coming in here as an MVP candidate. I'm leaving here as a defensive player of the year favorite, taking you out of the game. Yeah, yeah. Draymond even looks amazing offensively. I mean, he looks spry and rejuvenated. And if he's talking trash to Kevin Durant, literally, Draymond Green is scoring, you know, close by Kevin Durant, coming back and talking smack to him. Uh, they, they are, as you said, on another level. It is pretty wild what Steve Kerr is getting out of Otto Porter and Gary Payton II and Bielitsa and... Jonathan Kuminga is coming in. He's yeah. comparing him to Kawhi Leonard in his first year with the Spurs. I mean, they they can do absolutely no wrong. And, and Steph, yeah, quiet 37. Although what wasn't quiet was Barclay Center 
cheering MVP for the guy mm. uh, on the road. Actually, that uh, made me think of a question that we got earlier this season that you can answer, Dan, being uh, a, a guy that hung out in MSG as a kid because Pops was an executive there. He played for them even earlier. We had this question from a fan who could only attend one game in New York. He could either go see a, a poor opponent, come visit Madison Square Garden in the Knicks, or he could go see Kevin Durant. Now, what, what, what would you select as your game if you were him? I'm admittedly biased, but 10 times out of 10, I'm going to Madison Square Garden. And there I go. <laughs> the answer. I, I love Kevin Durant, right? One of my favorite players, such an amazing talent. But, dude, like walking into the garden to see basketball being played, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And so, yeah, I mean, you, you can't go wrong either way, but I'm at MSG. Yeah. Yeah. You're saying you said like it's in the walls, right? Like, and you know, so as a fan, you can feel it. And when my dad and I go see a game in MSG, even to this day, we always had halftime walk around the concourse and just feel it. And you know, you just feel the energy there. I also had the opportunity to play in Madison Square Garden. That's a whole different thing, right? When you take that floor and the rafters, I mean, it, it really like it, it takes it takes over you. And you see, like in the NBA, these great players having great performances at the Garden. That's why you know the energy it charges you. You know, there's nothing like it. Yeah. What, what, what do people the think extra, we're exaggerating? Go ahead, Lee. Well, the extra layer of pressure that that adds because this season so far, the Knicks have actually been a better team on the road than they have been at home. And, you know, if you look at them play, they, to me, look like they're a little bit tighter at home because there is so much expectation. Of course, that first game of the season, the double overtime bing-bonger against the Boston <laughs> Celtics where, you know, the Knicks are like, right, we're going to win the championship. But you look in the rafters and you see the Patrick Ewing and the Clyde Frazier and those sort of names and legends and history. So what sort of pressure does it add to, you know, guys like Julius Randle, how, how the expectation is now that you have to sort of meet a certain standard when you're in the garden? There's definitely pressure playing in New York City. There's no doubt about it. And especially if you've never done it, if the team's not doing well, you know, that, and that pressure mounts. But there's another side to that coin where when it is going well and when it does click, there's nothing like it. You know, so it's kind of it's an extreme experience to play for the Knicks, you know, because if you're doing poorly, yeah, you, you're going to feel it. But yeah. if, you're do- <laughs> if you're doing well, I mean, the, the roof is going to come off the place with the energy, you know, and I think that's what New York loves so much about a winner and a basketball winner is that you know, people take that challenge. They want that pressure because when they live up to it, there's nothing like it. Yeah. Tash, did you bring that up? Because I know I saw a lot of like Twitter hate for the Barclays Center, even for Nets fans, to allow that to happen, I guess, so to speak, last night where people are chanting for the opposition in, in Curry. Um, is that why you sort of got into that? Because, you know, do you think there's some truth to it? Like it's always going to be a Knicks town. Sorry, Nets. Doesn't matter if you got KD, Harden, and, you know, you do have Kyrie on your roster. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, it's always going to be a Knicks town, but I didn't think it was going to be a Warriors town. I mean, that's a, that's a, whole, that's a whole other thing. Why, yeah. I, that, that surprised me. I, I, we've watched a lot of games in Barclays Center. I can't really recall a huge opponent contingent like, really getting on the opponent I, I i don't remember it um well that's the power of steph curry knows, if we're yeah. being honest i mean lee if you were at the barclay center last night i know you would be chanting mvp <laughs> for steph curry. absolutely yeah right. uh, but but that's the thing i think uh you know brooklyn is still relatively new 
to the NBA because they were New Jersey for so long. And it's, I guess it's, what, 10 seasons now there in Brooklyn? And there has been criticism of, like, the fans who, you know, they don't even sell out a lot of games there, so they haven't still established that base. But you certainly can't compare, I don't think, Brooklyn's history to, you know, the New York Knicks. I mean, Madison Square Garden there. Although Kobe, remember when Kobe put up 60 in Madison Square mm. Garden? I'm pretty sure they were chanting MVP and they were giving him a standing ovation there. That that wouldn't happen. I mean, Kobe's obviously at a different level. There's not many guys at that level, but uh, it, it can happen in arenas when you are just seeing a uh, one of the greatest entertainers put on a, a fantastic show. Yeah, well, you brought up, like, the greats. We had a question the other uh, day, Dan, about the idea of whether or not, like, Curry and KD at this point in their careers, I mean, like, they're already among the greats, don't get us wrong, but, like, they could be still battling for their position, be it top 10, top five even. The idea being like, oh, could they win another title? Could they win another MVP in both of their cases? I don't know if you have a, a take on that. I don't need you to give me your top 10 list right now, but do you think that's sort of still playing out? Because LeBron's legacy is basically cemented, where these two guys, it feels like there's still some huge accolades or titles coming their way. I think when you get to that level, you're always trying to do more you know so i think it's safe to say that steph curry and kevin durant are two of the all-time greats ever to play basketball Mm -hmm. but you could always take that step and even in the case of lebron the discussion between him and mj is still ongoing right so you know until you reach when you're that great until you reach the undisputed number one spot which really only one person has done in the history of our game you know there's still something to, to play for and more legacy to cement i think for for durant and steph curry Certainly. I mean, more championships, more accolades, more MVP awards. Uh, Listen, I've already said about both of those. I love them so much. And one thing I want to note about them that I don't think gets enough kind of praise is how versatile they both are. We Mm -hmm. talked about their shooting ability. They're such amazing scorers. But you look at KD, he's going to get you eight boards and five assists, and Steph's going to get you six and a half and six. You know, So, I mean, they're just across the board. They're so phenomenal, and they are all-time greats. But I think that you know there's still more story to be written. Sticking quick, uh, quickly with this MSG New York thing, because I'm curious what you would consider your best basketball moment. I, I know there's a lot of them, and just to take people through a, a few of them, you had some great moments at Stanford. You had a 45-point night to convince the, the scouts to get you uh, an invite to Stanford. You had some great moments overseas, but you also were within one game of making the Knicks. You were in their camp, and you made it to the last preseason game before you got cut, even if you didn't make the team, is that your best basketball moment? I'm curious, just because you you know, you know got to put on the Knicks uni for a training camp? Yeah, you know, like you said, I had a lot of great moments. I had also a lot of hard moments, too. That's what a basketball career is all about. I'll tell you what my best moment is. Like, if I think about it, if I could go back and do one of those moments over again, it actually wasn't about me. It was a team moment. You know, when I was playing at Stanford my sophomore year, we were the number two team in the country at that point in time. We were 19-0, and 0, and we were playing Arizona at home. And in case, So this was 2004. Their starting lineup was Mustafa Shakur, Salim Stoudemire, Andre Iguodala, Hassan Adams, and Channing Frye, right? So these are five wow. NBA players. I mean, you know, Stanford, we had one NBA player in Josh Childress and a lot of really good players, but we were still the number two team in the country. Uh, we beat them on a 35-foot three-pointer at the buzzer uh, <laughs> on ABC with Tiger Woods sitting courtside. And, <laughs> and it happened to be my birthday. You know, so wow. Like, oh, wow. it was, I mean, like I was, I've never felt like flying on air for a day like we did then because we went to 20 and 0. We became the number one team in the country a week later when Duke lost. And 
you know, I was so close to my teammates and I actually wasn't playing very well at all at the time. I think I played like five minutes that game. I don't think I scored a bucket, but if I could go back and do any moment over again, that like team moment of winning a huge game at home on a buzzer beater just so happens to be your birthday. Man, I, uh, it was the best. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's that's pretty damn good right there. I, I'm curious, Dad, do you have a favorite NBA team? Because, you know, like, like Tash said, your father played for the Knicks. He was an executive with the Wizards. You're a West Coast guy now. Like, do you have a team that you sort of like zero in on and try and watch a lot of the games? Or are you just a, a fan? Like, are you, Lee, uh, are you a Lee Ellis about it and just a fan of the game here? I'm a free agent. You know, I'm all, <laughs> all forgot. Uh, listen, I love the game. There are teams that I root for that I have friends, you know, who work there yeah. that I just enjoy watching. So, but ultimately, I just love watching the game, uh, you know. And I, I think I'll, I'll always be a Knicks fan in some way because yep. that's kind of like the roots of my family is really with the Knicks. And I love, like, to our point about Madison Square Garden and that conversation. I just, it's so fun when they're playing well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much energy; it's great for the league. But uh, I don't have one team that I particularly root for right now i root for a lot of teams a lot of players are, are you happy about the uh, wizards hot start there in washington though again with your dad having been an exec for a long time oh absolutely i have a lot of very good friends at the organization west Unsell jr is a very close friend like right. it, it's great it, it's i mean i i have a lot of fond feelings for that community so to see them playing great basketball and things clicking uh, is awesome it's really fun to watch and uh, you know, sorry, Skeets, you you were really close there, you know, to to realizing a childhood dream to play for the Knicks. Was there a point, you know, after you got cut, you're looking around the league going, "I'm better than that guy. There's no way that guy should be in the league ahead of me." I mean, there must have been a few of those guys. So you can spill the juice a bit here. Tell us a couple of those guys. Yeah, well, first of all, you always think that as a competitor, as you should. You know, I always right. like if I, you know, when you play with guys and they have some rough edges and they have an attitude and. That's a good thing because you don't you don't succeed as a basketball player without that. Uh, so I, that's all to say that like yes, I felt that way. I, I honestly don't recall the specific people, nor do I want to. <laughs> give us some, give us some. Start it up. Dude, here, I, you know? I, I'm not a, I'm not a shade thrower, but I will say to you, um, listen. If you make the NBA, you deserve to be in the NBA, I, and I right. really believe that. You know because it's so hard and it's so competitive, and that. That margin of error is so slim. So as fans, you might look at, at people on the end of a bench and say, oh, how's that guy in the league? Or how's that guy in the league? But I'll tell you, as someone who's been very close and been in, if they're on that bench, they deserve to be on that bench because, man, it is hard to get there. So there were always, you know, you, you always think you're better than you are. I was certainly guilty yeah. of that. So you think you should be there too. Uh, but I, I always did have a lot of respect for guys who wore the jersey because it's like you, you earned it. If you're there, you earned it. And, 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 I mean, Brian Scalabrini's kind of talked a lot about that because people look at him as the sort of the victory cigar, you know. He'd come out on the court when the game is over. But, you know, and kids on Twitter and high school would say, I could beat Brian Scalabrini. But when you actually get to up against a guy like Brian, you know, no one, no regular dude can even hold a candle to Brian Scalabrini. He's closer to Michael Jordan than any of us are to making the NBA, to, to making Brian Scalabrini's level, you know. I mean, that that's the thing. Oh, my and, God. Um, I, I think that's the thing. It did like, yeah, we, we sit back, we watch TV, and you see like Steph Curry and a Kevin Durant, and then you see a Scalabrini, and you think, well, I, I could maybe take Scalabrini's spot, but but no Thank way. You. I mean, he's uh, he, he's an incredible athlete, one of the you know in the tiniest percentage of athletes in the world. I mean, I, I would say Brian Scalabrini is playing a different sport than the people who think they could compete oh, yeah. with him, and and that that's quite literally the truth. When you do it day in and day out at the highest level. It, the level of preparation you need and, and how competitive it is, like it, it's it's not even really possible to understand what Brian Scalabrini is capable of doing on a basketball right. court unless you've kind of been in that arena with him. And 
there was that great video that came out recently of him playing uh we'll call yeah. it a civilian that's right. what's gonna happen. <laughs> it's gonna happen. <laughs> I don't know, Lee. I still like your chances to get a couple threes off on Ryan Scalabrini. Make it close yeah. at the very. You got to beat Dan first, though. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. you like, might have yeah, a yeah. chance at that nowadays. If you see me move oh. recently, you might have a chance. Oh, we can make that. If you guys are, sh- oh, you're both shooting in your glasses. If you guys have a three point, I do want that. We got to keep it fair. Go Dan, ahead. I'm curious. Uh, I've heard uh, guys look back at their surgeries and uh, think, you know, if it was today, I would have recuperated a lot faster just because of modern medicine. Like Dwayne Wade commented on that when he was at Marquette, uh, the way his uh, meniscus surgery went, he thought he would be a lot better off today. Now you were on your way to an NBA career. Um, You're ready, ready to be a draft pick, but then you had uh, that ACL injury in your junior year, had to undergo surgery, obviously fought back. Uh, to go overseas and to play. Do you consider that a possibility when you look back at that injury? Would it have been different if it was today? I do, which first of all makes you feel old, right? Because you never thought you'd be the person that talks about like the, you know, medical advancements, but it's so true because, and I, it's funny, my dad and I were talking about it recently because I was mentioning Kevin Durant. I said, it's like the Achilles never happened. You know, look, right. look at this guy. Um, and Part of it is what a sensational athlete he is, but my dad and I talked about it. Part of it are those advancements. And so, yeah, listen, it took me eight months to just play again, you know, and then I was, I probably wasn't right until another year and a half. And, you know, when you're 21 years old and really making your rise in basketball to take that big of a step back, particularly for someone like myself, you know, I was kind of a borderline NBA player anyway. I didn't have so much of margin for error. So that, um, (laughs) that was was certainly a tough injury, but yeah, I think if it happened today, things might've been a little different. The other games from last night, just to throw them in here, Bogdanovich scored 27. The Jazz crushed the 76ers, who have now lost five in a row because they're shorthanded. They don't have a lot of their guys. And Paul George continued his hot start, 34 points in 34 minutes as the Clippers uh, schooled the young Spurs 106-92. You can either touch on those games if you want to, Dan, but my question is, what team has been the most surprising to you after, you know, 15 or so games into the season? Is is there a squad where you're like, wow, they are a lot better than I thought they maybe were going to be? I thought the Bulls would be competitive, but it's been really fun to see how good they've been. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that back, you know, you never know how things are going to fit. And I've been on teams like that where on paper you think things are going to work and then it just doesn't happen and vice versa. You don't think that things will be good and then it happens for you. The, that backcourt, you know, when when you look at, at those three guys, right, Alonzo, DeRozan, and Levine. I mean, what, DeRozan's like third in the league in scoring, Levine is seventh. You know, you have Alonzo doing the little things, distributing, also scoring, uh, you know, so that, that combination has just been so potent. And uh, listen, I grew up, you know, my dad was working for the Knicks, so I love, you know, I love that team, but they were playing the Bulls. They were playing Michael Jordan. You know, I saw those games in the United Center. It's fun to see, to see the Bulls do well also. And so that's probably been my biggest surprise, and I'd call it a pleasant surprise because I like watching them. Yeah, Dan, you mentioned earlier that it's better for the league when the Knicks are doing well, but I think it's best for the league when the Knicks and Bulls are both doing well to yeah. get these, uh, you know, the East Coast and the Midwest completely – uh, energized here. It's been a fun start to the season, no doubt for the Bulls. But are we being a little biased here, saying it's better when all these '90s teams are really good, or is this just because we're old guys? <laughs> Probably both. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. with you. Uh, we had some. Uh, I don't know. I, want, I don't want to call it like a clickbaity headline here, but I want to get your take, Dan, and everybody else here, uh, especially in the stream team. Giannis has this GQ feature uh, interview. He's got. Uh, 
incredible photos, by the way. I mean, just the, the bling on this guy. This guy's like a model, in addition to being an MVP. But he said, I mean, this has got pulled out of this interview. Giannis said there's a possibility that he could leave Milwaukee in the future and embrace a new challenge somewhere else. I'll, I'll, I'll quote him here. Me and my family chose to stay in this city, Milwaukee, that we all love and has taken care of us for now. In two years, that might change. I'm being totally honest with you. I'm always honest. I love this city. I love this community. I want to help as much as possible. Uh, so some Bucks fans going, uh-oh, he's, he's already telling us he might be leaving. Uh, but what was your reaction to this headline and to these like sort of quotes, Dan? Well, first of all, I have deep family roots in Milwaukee. That's where my mom is from. That's where my, my dad played for the Bucks and was a GM. I went to high school there. So I love the city of Milwaukee. Uh, Listen, nowadays, right, guys keep their options open. So I, I look at it as just someone who he's obviously shown his commitment to the city, not only in staying there, but bringing them a champion, a championship, you know, just being committed to, to every aspect of the city of Milwaukee. So I think he has walked the walk. Uh, but at the same time, he, he's a global brand. He's an icon. Now he's a champion. I think it's probably the type of thing where he, he just wants to you know, keep his options open and, and be candid with with that community. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't read too much into it. I wouldn't start panicking. Uh, I think, listen, if they keep winning, he's going to stay, right? So it's a kind of incumbent upon the Bucks to keep him, keep winning yeah. championships. And they're an amazing organization, but uh, definitely will make headlines, right? Because when you hear one of the best players in the world say that, <laughs> yeah, it's going to raise eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, I loved like, uh, I guess it was his agent Tass, uh, Yannick's agent saying, you know, like the challenge he's talking about is repeating. And then, you know, he's a young guy and he's won a lot. He's just trying to find these new things to uh, keep him engaged. It's not like he's saying, I'm going to the Knicks in two years. See you later. Though Knicks fans will tell you that's exactly what's happening here, Tass. But, uh, <laughs> Well, Dan, I thought of you while reading uh, your book and, and thinking about Yanis. Yanis said he was alone when he was 18 years old in Milwaukee, and you felt the same way reading your book when Pops was working for the Bucks, and uh, you really didn't have friends. You were kind of uh, in loner mode there. Do, do you feel like you're Yanis Tetacumpo? You got like a, a, a kindred spirit there? Listen, I'll take the comparison for sure. But, uh, it, probably, it probably ends there at the loner who didn't have many friends to start. But uh, no, it's true. Listen, I, uh, my dad you know, became the general manager of the Milwaukee Bucks when I was a sophomore in high school, and I moved to Milwaukee from northern New Jersey the day before my high school year started. So I oh. just, you know, you leave all your friends, you live in a, in a new place, and my grandparents were living in Milwaukee. So it's not that I didn't know anyone, but I, I didn't have really a, a community or a group of friends. And as you know, I write in the book about some of the things I did to keep myself occupied, you know, with card tricks to myself and different things just because <laughs> you don't have a community yet. So I, I know that feeling. <laughs> So yeah. you're, you're more Thanasis rather than Giannis then, sort of uh, We can to keep find going. To... There are five yeah. brothers, man. We can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> keep going at lower level. Francis, <laughs> Alex. Yeah, hold on. You were doing card tricks? Like you were doing magic? You taught yourself magic? Dude, I'm serious. Like, think about it. When you're like 15, you're in a new city. It was before, again, talk about being old. It was before really before. cell phones and texting. Yeah. So I'm just kind of chilling like, okay. I was like, let me go on the internet, which I just barely had. You know, it was like dialogue. <laughs> I was learning new card tricks and practicing them for myself. I mean, I literally did that for like, listen, I'm not trying to paint like a sorrow story. I made a lot of friends. I had a great experience there. <laughs> but for the first several weeks, I did have that kind of loneliness. And, you know, it, it was hard, but we got through right. it. All right. It's crazy. Uh, unfortunate news out of Cleveland yesterday. Uh, Mobley is going to miss the next two to four weeks, they're saying, with a right elbow strain. This Cavs rookie has played great. Uh, I'm sure you would agree, Dan. Basically 15 and 8, two and a half assists as well, over a block and a half in 33 minutes per game. Probably the leading candidate for rookie of the year like early in the season here. 
along with Mobley, are there any other rookies that have really impressed you? Uh, or what are your thoughts on this draft class in general? Yeah, I mean, Mobley has been the guy. And not only have I been impressed, yeah. but he's the one who people are texting me about. You know, I mean, early, early, my dad sent me a text. He goes, watch Mobley. You know, this. Wow, oh, yeah. really? Very early. He said he, he's the real deal. And I have a very good friend who's a big Cavs fan. He texts me all the time about Mobley. Uh, so he's actually been the guy I've been most focused on. I'm interested to see Kate Cunningham kind of get his legs under him, get acclimated a little. I really like him in college. I think you know he can really create. And so I know it's kind of been up and down. And it's hard when you start your career not 100% healthy. You know, so I, I'm interested to kind of give him a little bit more time to, to see how he develops. I really, really like him coming out of college. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be a, you know, a fun little race here for Rookie of the Year. It's unfortunate that Mobley's going to miss some time, but in a weird way, Lee, it almost allows some of these other guys to catch up a little bit, uh, and hopefully he comes back uh, fully healthy, Mobley does, and we have, like, between Barnes and Cade and maybe Jalen and so on, mm -hmm. uh, Franz Wagner, a couple other guys, uh, we get quite the race here. But, you know, bummer news for Cleveland, especially for Tass Mellis, the biggest Cavs fan I know. He's always texting me about the Cavs. <laughs> uh, but, but it sucks that, he, that he's going to miss some time here so early in his, in his career. Yeah, uh, he has been probably better than I think we, we expected at this point because those early comparisons, you know, it, it, like Kevin Gaudet, Chris Bosch is like, those are Hall of Fame talents. But Mobley has certainly shown that he uh, he looks ready for the NBA. You know, he's still a, a thin, young kid. He's got some uh, filling out to do with his body, but that hasn't really impacted his game so far. He's been good on both ends of the floor and even knocking down a couple of three-pointers as well. That's not his strength, but uh, certainly he's, uh, he's shown that he's trying to add that to his game as well. So it is a bummer because the Cavs have been one of the best stories this season. Fun team to watch, and they've been winning, and they've uh, probably got the Rookie of the Year still. So hopefully he does come back in a couple of weeks' time and, and uh, doesn't miss, miss out on too much here. Dan, you said your dad texted you ahead of time to let you know that Mobley was going to be a really solid player. Was there ever a time that you got to tell your dad, I told you so, I knew this guy was going to be awesome, or a move he made where you're like, I'm not so sure? <laughs> yes, there is one instance. It, 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 it was the former, not the latter. Uh, and he'll, he'll still bring this up sometimes. We, uh, you know, I was, I, would, I was playing overseas, but I would come back to D.C. for the summers, and I would you know, be working out where the Wizards played. And so I would attend some of the pre-draft workouts. And I've been doing that since I was a mm -hmm. kid. I saw Kobe's pre-draft workout for the Knicks in 96. You know, I saw oh, wow. I saw Rick Fox work out for the Knicks. And I don't I don't even remember <laughs> when that was, but I was, I was very little. But I, I happened to be at uh, Chandler Parsons' workout. And and I, I was just very, very high on him. And I kept telling my dad, man, he's good. And I, I'd seen him play at Florida, and he really knew how to play. I knew he was a coach's son. He had a great feel. And I was just, my dad would tell you, like, I was super high on Chandler Parsons. And, you know, he was a second-round pick, but obviously he, he turned out to be, like, a max player at one point and, and had a really good NBA yeah. career. So my dad will give me credit. He'll be like, yeah, he, he calls me Danny. You know, like, Danny saw that one. Danny saw that one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, well, before we let you go, um, you know, talk to us a, a little bit about the new book here. Like, where did this idea come to, to write this? And, like, even give us, you know, people here in the stream team and listening and watching later, like, the – uh, the elevator pitch. What's the, what is this book about? Why should people go grab it? Absolutely. This? So, I mean, basketball fans know my dad, Ernie Grunfeld, as, as a player, as a longtime executive. Few people know that he's the only player in NBA history whose parents survived the Holocaust. And so that's my grandparents. Both my grandparents are Holocaust survivors. You'll all be happy to know my grandmother's 96 years old, lives in the Bay Area, 25 minutes from uh, me and my wife. He's doing amazing. Wow. But she, you know, she lost seven immediate family members in the Holocaust. They were all killed. And so, yeah, my dad never had grandparents and so uh, you know this is kind of an unknown story of someone who you know came to America when he was nine years old 
didn't speak a word of English, had never touched a basketball. And then he was a gold medalist for the United States of America 10 years later. So wow. it's really an American dream story. And certainly, you know, basketball has been the vehicle for, for our family. And so really, it's not this is not a book about my dad. This is a book about our family, you know, and my certainly mm -hmm. what happened to my grandparents in the war, my journey with basketball. And then, you know, my dad was really the connector and, and the game of basketball is what, you know, took my family to places we couldn't couldn't have imagined. So, you know, I, uh, it's really an honor of my life to tell it because it is, you know, it's a basketball story that's bigger than basketball. Some incredible stories uh, from your father's side of things about uh, growing up, about his uh, years as an executive with, with all those teams we've mentioned, uh, seeing Charles Oakley punch somebody in the face on an airplane. Um, <laughs> some real incredible stuff in there. Do you mind uh, sharing the Larry Bird story from the book? Because uh, it's a special one. It is special. Yeah. Th and thank you for bringing that up. No, listen, the, and, I, and I'll give you some context, right? So this is, there's a lot of difficult things in my book and in my family story, you know, and my dad, when he came to America, his older brother was diagnosed with leukemia and died a year later. So there, there's a lot of like heavy stuff, but there's also a lot of laughter, levity and joy. And what I really learned from my grandma is that's what life is like. You know, there's, there's two sides to that coin. And so I, I wanted to reflect that. And so the, the story we're talking about here is a Larry Bird story. And I won't give you, I'll give you a Cliff Notes version. Hopefully yeah. you'll pick up the book and read the rest. But I, I grew up loving Larry Bird as most you know kids who grew up in, in my era, the 80s and 90s did. And I was playing summer league for the Indiana Pacers after Stanford. And Larry Bird was the general manager. And I had the opportunity to eat dinner with him, which I thought was going to be a big dinner with the whole team. And it was just four people. So I was very, very nervous and excited. And I was drinking water like my life depended on it, but I would not, I, you know, I'm with Larry Bird, right? I mean, let, let's like realize this. I'm with Larry Bird. I'm pounding water, but, and I, I, after a while had to go to the bathroom pretty bad, but I am not getting up from the table when I'm with Larry Bird, yeah. right? To, like who, who does that? You know what I mean? So <laughs> listen, there were opportunities where I, I probably should have, or definitely could have. I didn't. One thing led to another. I got in a little bit of a tough situation there. Uh, <laughs> let's just cut this version of the story here, but pick up the book. You can, you can hear the rest of it. But, uh, yeah, but listen, like, th th these are the things that happen in, in a basketball career in life, you know, the good and the bad. And so just, just try to tell it all in this book. Yeah, incredible detail from, from your family's perspective, from uh, your grandmother, who's alive and kicking, as he said, 96 years old, and from Pops, and from yourself. So it was a great read. It really really appreciate you writing it and uh it was it was really really pleasurable reading it everybody should pick up by the grace of the game that's right drops on november 30th you can pre-order it now I, I definitely saw that available over on amazon so dan thanks so much for uh jumping on here it was uh fun to talk about the hoops last night and what's going on in the league and of course uh you know the idea behind your book really appreciate you uh, jumping on here with us guys thanks so much it was a lot of fun i, I really appreciate it all right, everybody, go grab that book by the grace of the game. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you my top 10 most disappointing players from this season. We're going to upset a whole bunch of people, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Dan. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Selling a little? Yeah. Cha-ching. Or a lot? <laughs> Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling savory sausages or offering ostentatious oddities, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash nodunks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash no dunks now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash no dunks. All right, welcome back to No Dunks here on a Wednesday. Guys, we're about a month into the 21-22 NBA season, which means we have a pretty good sample size when it comes to some guys who have gotten off to disappointing starts. Because that's the truth, Lee. Expectations. They're a part of the game. But some players right now have fallen short in fulfilling them. So I'm going to hit you with my top 10 most disappointing players this season so far. So a few notes, guys. First off, okay, I'm not saying these players suck ass and that they'll never be good again. All right. I'm doing the opposite. I'm likely saying rough starts. They'll probably get it going. Secondly, I tried to mix up my list with young players who were pegged to have breakout seasons, and that got off to a rough go. Gunners, maybe, for whatever reason, that can't hit the target. And then some underwhelming starts from some struggling all-stars. And finally, I said this yesterday, I'm only going to include players that are actually playing. Am I disappointed Kyrie won't get the vaccine? Yeah, and that he's not playing? Yes, I love watching him play. Am I disappointed Ben Simmons is not mentally right to play and the whole thing with the Sixers organization and sort of the pissing contest between Maury and Simmons camp. Yeah, I'm disappointed in that. Am I disappointed Zion Williamson isn't playing? Of course I am. But for the sake of this list, we're going to exclude them, okay? It's guys that for the most part were playing. There are a few sort of injury exceptions in here that uh, uh, recently they've left, okay? Yeah. Makes sense. I-, I will go through my list. If you have uh, concerns or questions, mm. you know, jump, jump in here. 
Uh, the first one, at number 10 on my most disappointing players so far, I went with a second-year player, which is definitely the only second-year player I have on my list. He's only 20 years old, for crying out loud. But I'm going with Killian Hayes. Because he struggled in his rookie season, and he only played in 26 games last year. And I will say he's shown some improvements this year. That makes sense. Again, he's got less than 40 games under his belt. He's not turning the ball over as much. He's knocking down his threes at a decent clip. He doesn't take a lot of them, but at 38%. But Killian Hayes is averaging six points per game while shooting 30% from the field. Uh, And he just struggles to score in and around the paint. He is shooting 13% from 3 to 10 feet. That's crazy. Uh, so it's just Pretty sort of wild. Low. I still have hope in him. Again, I want to make that very clear. That I really think he could turn into like a very poor man's version of like Alonzo Ball or something like that. He's only 20. He's barely played. But I, had, I, I thought he would come out after the injury of last year. I thought he would be uh, a little more impressively to start this season. So that's why I have him here. Again, it's a bit of a weird one with a second-year player, but it's just like, ugh. It's, it's, yeah. it's not amazing offensively. There's some improvements. No, I mean, it's, when you're the seventh pick on a bad team, you know, you expect to see sort of an impact. But again, it does come back to just he can't get out on the court and stay out there, which is mm-hmm. what, what we need to see is 35-game stretch where he's playing every night, and maybe there'll be some improvement there. But, uh, yeah, he certainly hasn't lived up to that billing yet of being a... Uh, a seventh overall pick in the draft. Okay. So, well, this is what I think. Skeets, you be Killian. You be Killian. I understand what you're watching. <laughs> yeah. Watching him play, uh, the predicament that Dwayne Casey now has is let Killian Hayes run the offense or give it to Cade. Uh, I think that's what Ain't no debate. has to happen. Ain't yeah, no debate. debate. Cade yeah. is turning it on, and Killian Hayes, I think, is going to perhaps be best served as a backup uh, mm. long-term for the Pistons. It's possible. Okay, at number nine, we got a star player here. Uh, a lot of people figured he'd be on this list. Bradley Beal. Now, I have him sort of low on my list here because they are doing well. The Wizards, you know, as we talked about there with Dan, I mean, they're at the top of the East. Uh, they're doing it without him or even when he was in there and struggling. But Beal's played in 10 games, Lee. 23, 6, and 6. So you're like, okay, you know, you round up a little bit. Those are good numbers. But he's shooting sub 41% from the floor. An eye-opening 25% from three on nearly six and a half attempts per game. And yes, he has excuses. He had the left hamstring issues. Personal reasons, he's left the team uh, over the last couple to uh, mourn the death of his grandmother. But it's just weird to see a guy that's, you know, just a, a bucket that has always been pretty damn consistent just struggle so much. And it's even weirder that they're winning. I mean, I guess that's yeah. the great thing for Wizards fans, as we talked about. Like, wow, if this guy suddenly unlocks the, his potential that we know he can, that the, the levels that we know he can reach, then Jesus, the, the, the sky might be the limit for this Wizards team. But it's weird. He's, ha- he's had a rough start. Yeah, you might see the red flag emoji if they were losing, if they were 3 and 10 Ooh, instead, where it might be. You like, would be on right. here every Gatti. day saying, trade Bradley Beal, yeah, trade Bradley yeah. Beal, trade, yeah. But uh, the fact is, the Wizards are better, so I think they'll take this sort of uh, you know offset at the moment, where it's like, okay, Beal will probably get better as the season goes on and as he feels uh, healthier in those, in those legs. But for now, we're winning. We're not relying heavily on him, and certainly they're playing a better style than they played last year when it was just he and Westbrook basically going out there and doing everything. Now they've got contributors across the board there. So uh, I think the Wizards are probably okay with it right now. Uh, at number eight on my list, I had to have a Raptor player, Tass. Mm, there was a couple really? to pick from. <laughs> but I went with Precious Achua, who 
is the starting center for the Raps. He came over in the Lowry sign and trade with Dragic. He does some things very well. He, you know, he he takes care of the glass. He he plays hard on defense. Unfortunately, if you've watched Raptors games, this guy thinks he's Draymond Green in transition, and uh, <laughs> he is not. <laughs> that he is not. It's just weird. He's like, he's somehow this incredible six foot eight super athlete that is somehow shooting under thirty five percent from the floor. That's really weird. Those are the type of numbers you see from a, a guard sometimes that can't hit a shot because they're working from the perimeter and it just won't drop. It's another thing to see it from a big guy at 35%. And I think I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I was very high on him. You know, for the Raptors of getting him for quote-unquote nothing, you know, you're going to lose Lowry, you do the sign and trade. Oh, wow, young, peace, and precious. And Kem Birch has, like, outplayed him significantly. Uh, this year. I don't know if you have thoughts on Precious. I know a lot of people are like, what about Chris Boucher too? Yeah, you could throw him in there too as well. I think uh, Precious is one of those guys for me that uh, kind of talked his reputation into existence on social media when uh, he blocked Kevin Durant in uh, a pre-Olympics game. He was playing for Nigeria while Katie obviously playing for USA and he put it on Instagram and uh, he was showing the world that he was able to block one of the best players in the world. Uh, he reeled me in. Of course you trade for this guy. The confidence on this guy, and it's uh, yeah, it's killing him uh, a little bit uh, uh, because he's a little too overconfident. He's doing a little too much <laughs> oh, on the yeah. floor. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, you know, Beal's obviously a, a different stratosphere of player, but I can take the lumps watching this team, them being 7-8 and eight when they had an over-under number of 35.5 wins to start the season. I'm okay with it uh, because you just want to see what he is. I know uh, some experts like John Hollinger said, why the heck are you training Kyle Lowry for Precious Chew and Goran Dragic when you could just use that money to sign somebody else as a, a as part of your salary cap? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I watch that and I think, yeah, you're right. But if you can reel him in, if you can beat Trey Kirby on the water and you can reel him in a little bit, why can't he be a contributor? That's That's – extremely solid on both ends it's just the overconfidence is uh, and a little too much leash right now I, th- I think i think nurse knows what he's doing though i assume you know make your mistakes now while we don't have the crazy expectations and we'll figure it out a little bit later yeah again i just want to make it clear i'm not saying trade these guys get them out of the <laughs> league i'm just saying they've disappointed so far trey i don't think it's crazy to say precious is on the list I think you're exactly right. He just needs a little bit of a recalibration, I think. He's shooting 44% from zero to three feet. That doesn't make sense. He should be living in the lane, but also shooting 18% from three. And Precious Achua is the player who drives me most crazy because when the Bulls played the Raptors, he hit a three-pointer and he got Nikola Vucevic in the air on a pump fake for a three-pointer. I'm like, he's made three three three-pointers the entire season. I remember two of these serious moments, but he still wants to take them. I know he's not a huge guy for a center. He's only listed at 6'8", but he is a good athlete, and he should oh, be yeah. in the lane more often than he should be outside of the lane. Yeah, and and like all these guys on this list, I'm sure he will figure it out, give him more opportunity there with the Raps. Okay, number seven. I'll admit this guy sort of went under the radar for me, so shout out to uh, somebody who suggested this name on Twitter because I did a little crowdsourcing for most disappointing players. Jordan Clarkson. Mm. Um, reigning sixth man of the year. He's nicknamed the flamethrower, which I didn't know about. Had saw that on Basketball Reference. I was like, "What does anybody call him?" But okay, yeah. Um, cool. He is just struggling to cool, cool. to be that instant offense this year. He's shooting thirty six percent on about fifteen shots per game in just twenty five minutes because he comes, you know, comes off the bench. Lee, his role is to let it fire away, 
And he's just, he's not doing all that well at that particular uh, skill set this year. He's only hit 34 three-pointers this season on 136 attempts. That's 25% from deep. And that becomes a real problem when nearly 65% of your shot attempts are from three. (laughs) I mean, that's all he does. And he'll get it going. He's had a couple good games. He played okay last night, I'd say, uh, in the win over the Sixers. But... I just kept thinking Joe Ingles was the one off the jazz bench having like a really quiet year. I said that to yeah. you, I remember, Lee, at one point yeah. earlier in the year. And, uh, you know, again, I really did a little deep dive on Clarkson going, oh, yeah, he's just, he, he, he's really taking this uh, Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford uh, role to heart, right? It's like uh, you're going to yeah. have monster games and you're going to have uh, some stretches where you just can't hit a shot. Yeah. He's looking like a J.R. Smith right now where his game right. hasn't really changed from last season. He's playing that same role in the same way. It's just but that's fine. Ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. he's gonna he is gonna have a stretch where he probably catches fire, yeah. uh, you know, and, and really does win a few games. In fact, you could say he probably won the game for the Jazz here against Atlanta in that third quarter. Yep. He couldn't hit a shot in the first half. And then I think he finished with uh, 20, uh, 22, I think it was. I can't quite remember. But that that's the thing is he doesn't actually, his confidence doesn't wane. His shot selection doesn't wane. Nothing about his game really changes. It's just some days they go in, some days they don't. And those stretches can last for a few games. But uh, he has been a little bit disappointing considering he is the reigning sixth man of the year. Make it wane, Jordan. Make it wane. <laughs> uh, at number six on my list, I'm going Malik Beasley. Here's where I'm at with him. And uh, I have a feeling Trey's okay. going to agree with me. Here we go. Here we go. The idea of Malik Beasley, a basketball player, is so much better than the reality of Malik Beasley, a basketball player. It just is. And I've been, I've been, I've been duped. Because I, I, I've, I've thought many times, this guy, well, this guy's something special. You know, he's a classic 3 and D guy. But is he? Because he can't really hit a three, and I think he's sort of overrated defensively. Uh, so I don't know what to make of him. Beasley's played in 37 games for the Wolves last season, and he was scoring, like, just a shade under 20 points per game. Okay, P- pretty good. And it got, like, to the point where I'm, like, talking myself out of, like, a D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley for, like, a Ben Simmons. You know, those trade rumors going around. Is that too much? Is Beasley too good? (laughs) No. The answer is an emphatic no. I mean, the Wolves would do that in a heartbeat, that trade. Uh, The problem is I don't think the, uh, the Sixers would. But Beasley is averaging nine points per game. His shooting splits, 32, 30, and 50. 50? Yeah. Not good well, at the line, huh? No, no. I mean, he doesn't get there a lot. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, – I, I, you know, Trey, am I, am I off there? I know you've talked about this with guys before. Like, we love the idea of this player. But sometimes the results don't back that up. Do you think that's true with Beasley or am I being too harsh? I think it's a little of both. The guy has shot the ball well in his career. He was 39% last year, 38 the year before, 40 before that, 38 for his career. That's three-point shooting, and we've seen him have some decent games for the Timberwolves, for the Nuggets in the past, but all things considered, I think he's just a guy. And, you know, (laughs) just the guy whose nickname is the Mutant. (laughs) Malik the Mutant. He's just a guy. There's a lot of players in the NBA who are just a guy, but sometimes you can talk yourself into um, being something more than a guy. Is it just a guy? Okay. Just yeah, a guy well, named Malik. Anything to, anything to add on Beasley there, Tass? Uh, you think it's fair to include him on my top 10 list here? Disappointing so far? 
It is because uh, you wrote him when he was uh, on the Denver Nuggets. You thought that he was yep. better than he was. Then he goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves and he scores twenty points a freaking game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're you're allowed to to talk about it. Maybe his role change from last year to this year has played a part. He was a starter, and uh, now he's not. So that may you know may have an effect as yep. Chris Finch, head coach there, is trying to you know get more balance in their lineups. We have D'Angelo Russell. We have Carl Anthony Towns. And uh, we have Anthony Edwards. Maybe we got to throw some D's in there, some some defensive guys. So maybe that happened. He also was in jail for two and a half months this past off season. Uh, maybe that had an effect on uh, how he came that. into yep. how he came into this season. So uh, yeah, maybe maybe he's just not right. Um, maybe he wasn't training all that hard in prison. I, I'm not sure. So things aren't going too well for uh, for him. Yeah, I, I I I was excited about that as well. But yeah, he's been. A different player. I mean, he just looks like a different player. I know he's just a guy, as Trey said, but I don't know. A 20-point guy, maybe he can bounce back next season. I don't know if it's coming this season. As Graham right. Barker says, he's just a guy standing in front of a girl trying to get her to call me the mutant. <laughs> the mutant! Maybe mutate into a guy who can shoot the ball. Oh, got him! Nice. Uh, yeah, okay, has... Malik Beasley been called the mutant more than Jordan Clarkson's been called the flamethrower? <laughs> Sounds like the worst Avengers that you could possibly make. <laughs> uh, all right, well, we got another nickname here, sort of. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is number five on my list of disappointing players. We were excited for Triple J, oh, weren't we? Entering his fourth year in the league, he's finally healthy, he's on a talented young team, he's got an identified role, he's got a fat new $100 million extension. His preseason numbers. I saw tweets about his preseason numbers. Ready for the breakout, baby. Here we go. And after 14 games, offensively, because he's okay on the defensive end, offensively, it's a big meh for Jackson Jr. again. He's shooting the league average from deep, but just 38% overall, and he's a seven-footer. Uh, I, we were just, again, I think we were very excited. He'll probably get it going. The Grizzlies are okay. But Lee... I think we thought, okay, here we go. Here's going to be the leap from him. And, he, and offensively, again, I like what he does on the defensive end. Uh, offensively, he just, he's, he just hasn't been able to score enough. No, he hasn't. And uh, the Grizzlies uh, are crumbling. I think uh, Zilla po- wrote in his morning newsletter this morning because obviously Ja Morant has been incredible in the MVP conversation somewhat. But outside of him, they just don't have all that much. And Jaron Jackson, you're right. They gave him the big contract. They believe in him. But he's the most six foot three, seven footer I think there's been in the NBA. He just does not play <sighs> like it. No, but I'm no, I don't How mean that How dare you say insult. that, Lee? How dare you say that? <laughs> Because I, I was going to say he's the new Chris Stapp's Porzingis. And you <laughs> right, beat yeah. me to it because he's being a Porzingis out there. Often yeah. the biggest guy on the court for the Grizzlies, and he's getting 5.7 rebounds per game. He just hangs yeah. out on the perimeter and wants to shoot threes, and that's about it. I expected a lot more. The defense, I don't think he's been good enough uh, to counteract how much of a step back he's taken on offense. Yeah, uh, and he's never been a great rebounder for his height. Um, and I just wonder if that Grizzlies coaching staff needs to say to him, when you're that tall and athletic and long, get down and you've got to be getting eight, nine rebounds a game. You just have to be. We need that from you because their defense is atrocious. And a part of that is the rebounding. So, you know, if he's not going to really excel on the offensive end, then he needs to be able to do some more on the defensive end. Uh, yeah, Grizzlies season started off, I mean, it was, ah, I fell in love with the Grizzlies. They were mm-hmm. great and they still are fun to watch with Morant. But I just don't think there's a whole lot of uh, substance under what they've got there right now. They need to improve drastically, uh, mostly on the defensive end. 
All right, at number four on my list, getting into the real sort of uh, borderline all-star type players or all-star type players. <sighs> Hurts my heart to say this name, but De'Aaron Fox has mm. been disappointing. Uh, and I love me some Kentucky guards. You guys know that. Booker and SGA and Tyler Hero and on and on and on. But, uh, Big college Fox, head right here. A huge college hoops, college hoops head. I remember that game Dan was talking about, actually, uh, that Stanford game. Uh, yeah, Star Fox. Last year, 25-7-4, and four, and he had some br- like brilliant individual moments on a, on a Shady Kings team. Um, but this year, Fox is averaging under 20 points per game. He's shooting 41% from the field and a WTF 23% from deep. Getting very concerned about the three-point shooting because I think it was in his second year where he was like 37% from distance. Everyone was like, wow, mm-hmm. that's great. Above average, that's awesome from your point guard. You know, being the, probably the fastest guy in the league and you have like a, a three-point... Uh, shot that you have to like respect as a defender, man, that's just going to allow him to blow by people even more. But since then, Lee, I don't have it in front of me, but I know it's fallen off a cliff and, and he yeah. can't find it. So that's bad. His free throw attempts have dropped. The turnovers have ticked up a little bit. I just think when I watch him, he generally seems to be playing in a bit of a fog. Um, he's had one monster game from what I can recall, and it was like in a 19-point loss to the Spurs. It's weird. I think he has one dunk this season. Like mm. it's just like there hasn't been a lot of Fox highlights and uh, or great games, Tass. So again, it hurts hurts me to say it, but he's he's definitely uh, on my top ten most disappointing players this season so far. It's a puzzle this De'Aaron Fox start because I don't know. He just he would shoot him himself out of this funk, you would think, um, but it just hasn't happened yet. When's it gonna happen? It, it can't go away. It, it can't. He'll be back. I don't think Some... he's going to be able to shoot himself out of this one. The guy's a 70% free throw shooter. Yeah, That's not, not great. great for a guard. He was 32% from three last year, and that was uh, an improvement from 29% yeah. the year before. Right now he's at 23%. We call him the fastest player in the league, and usually when you're the fastest player in the league, you're not the best shooter. That's been the case for John Wall. That's been the case for Russell Westbrook. There have been many players who come through, and we just say, oh, they can get this jumper right with that speed they're going to be unstoppable but i don't foresee him suddenly developing a jumper mm-hmm. all right go sorry go oh no just some... yeah last season was the year where you thought you know the 25 and 8 there was all-star buzz it's like yeah this guy has has found it uh and it doesn't appear to be the case and i just want to refer back to the sam amick article yesterday in the athletic that the the connection there between Fox and Halliburton appears to be problematic for Sacramento on top of everything else. And I think those are the two players that are the least likely to be traded from Sacramento. I think it's Buddy or Harrison Barnes first. So that's a, that presents another problem for Sacramento is how do you figure out a way to get these guys working together? Because on paper and the eye test is like, this is a decent backcourt, but hasn't translated yet to, to on-court success. But uh, yeah, Fox doesn't seem to have that same pep in his step this season that he's had in the past where he's trying to initiate that offense and get it moving because he is so fast. But uh, if he can't knock down that three consistently or get to the free throw line, then his offensive game isn't going to be able to flourish as the way it could be. And number three on my list, Jason Tatum, Mr. 12-time. Uh, probably got 12 times the amount of votes for most disappointing player on my informal Twitter <laughs> poll. There was a lot of votes for Jason Tatum. I think it makes sense. This guy appeared headed for a seat at the MVP table uh, after last year's performance and his career up to this point. And instead, I, I, he got lost on the way to the restaurant. 
uh, Lee, did you not text them the, the directions <laughs> or where we were sitting uh, in the restaurant? Because he's not there. He really isn't. His shooting splits have cratered. Yeah, we're in the back, Jason. We're in the back corner. Yeah, don't, don't worry. You got time. The pizza's going to be another eight hours. Uh, but Tatum, <laughs> Tatum is shooting sub 39% from the floor, sub 32% from deep on eight attempts per game. And he's even sort of struggling at the line for him. Some sub 77% uh, at the line, which is shockingly lower than his career numbers there. So that's weird. If you watch him, he is just trying to do too much in isolation. And the numbers back that up, Lee. I went and checked. He's putting up the lowest percentage of field goals assisted in his career, which to me, and you watch it, you know, it's a lot of like, I can get my shot, so don't worry about too much ball movement. I will uh, maybe take a pick. And then I'll get the switch, and then I'll, I'll go to work, and I'll ISO, and I'll, more times than not, this year at least, take sort of a difficult shot and uh, struggle it right now because these are bad, bad shooting percentage. For a guy that was an all-NBA guy two years ago, could have been it last year, has been an all-star, looks like a franchise guy, and is, don't get me wrong, uh, but he's, he's got off to a bad, bad uh, start here to the season. Yeah, I just don't like the construction of this roster in Boston either. I just think that part of the reason he has to do so much is because it's just weirdly built, you know, with uh, Marcus Smart and Schroeder there as your backcourt. And then they've got Al Horford back, who's actually having a decent season, but it doesn't really seem to, uh, to, to highlight... Tatum skills as much and of course Jalen Brown is out as well so that does add even more of a workload there to Tatum I believe he will be much better than he's playing right now he will shake it off but his efficiency is down uh, and yeah he does seem to be just having to do everything for Boston to get it uh, generate their offense so I think he's better than that but uh, certainly to start the season he has been struggling at number two, I have Michael Porter Jr. here. Now he's out for the foreseeable future with back injuries. And they may have played a part in his rough start. We're not 100% sure on that. But he played nine games after he signed on the dotted line tray for a five-year max contract extension that's going to pay him between $172 million and possibly $207 million, though that's looking less likely with uh, being an incentive-based uh, deal there. But he was a lot of people's pick for most improved player. A ton. And that made sense. After you saw what he did in the playoffs last year, he averaged like 17 and 6. You know, Jamal Murray's out. You think he's going to step up there, get more opportunity to play alongside Jokic. And, you know, you look at his game log, and he's now out of the lineup, like I said, but it's like, it's disgusting. Like, his best game was opening night. He had 15 points on 10 shots. That was his best game. Like, by far, he's averaging 9.9 points per game. And his shooting splits, they read like a fucking padlock number, 36, 21, and 56. I don't know if it goes up to 56 on the padlock, but it's pretty close. It's uh, it's some real numbers. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Cheap padlocks, no. Good padlocks, yes. Go to 60, I think. Isn't that a good line? If, yeah. you know, if it is, in fact, correct. <laughs> do, they, do they? Maybe the good ones do go up to 60 or something maybe. like that. But anyway, it's just... Uh, it's shocking. I don't think probably you guys have much to add to this. We thought he'd be better, and, and maybe it was the back because he's out now, and uh, he, he couldn't hit a shot to save his life. Well, I think that's why this makes Michael Porter Jr. a really good one because he was really awesome for the Nuggets after the All-Star game last year. 22 points per game, almost eight rebounds a game, 56% from the field, 46 from three, and 80 at the free throw line. The guy was almost 50-40-90 last year. So coming into this season, you're seeing he's struggling – but if the excuse is then that, oh, he's had a back injury this whole time, 
that's not the excuse you want to hear if you're the Nuggets no. after you just signed them to a huge deal, right? So you're like, okay, maybe there's a reason for it. It would be the last reason we would possibly choose. So yeah, tough start to the season for Michael Porter Jr. And, you know, hopefully this contract doesn't turn into an albatross right away. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully it comes back Totally. Healthy. Totally, uh, and and I, I said it when uh, you know when he got injured a couple of weeks ago. I went back and looked at that contract and wondered, is it um, mimicking Joel Embiid's contract, which has protections for his injuries that uh, that he always had, and it doesn't. And uh, uh, looking more into it, uh, apparently there was some negotiation about it, but uh, th- that those were the rumors, but it didn't get included. And I'm not sure if uh, the Nuggets are going to be paying for that long term, but uh, yeah, hopefully he gets right. Uh, I'm sure they did their due diligence, anyways, medically, as uh, as all teams do. So hopefully he's right soon, because yeah, I mean the guy is butter. It must be his back. I'm blaming his back. Uh, who did you guys have for most improved? Did anybody take Michael Porter Jr. here on the show? I did. Yeah, did you? I, I might have. I don't remember. It's so yeah. long ago. I took I took uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker. Leah, who, who did you take? <laughs> I think I ended up taking Tybal, but uh, I don't oh, know you if did. I changed, yeah, changed yeah, that yeah, or yeah. not in the end. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. Uh, well, at number one on my most disappointing players to start the season list here, I'm going Damian Lillard. Just because it's really weird to have a six-time All-Star, six-time All-NBA a guy that was just named to the NBA 75th anniversary team for crying out loud. It's really weird to have that player that we know turn into basically a glorified Devontae Graham. Uh, wow. That doesn't sit right with me. Mm. <laughs> Facts. Uh, he's averaging 20.6 points per game. He's shooting 39% overall and 28% from distance. And his free throw has been cut in half. He just does not get there all that often anymore. And I don't really think that's because of, like, the rule changes, so to speak. It's just, uh, I don't know. So, Lillard, is that number one here on my list, Lee? Again, just because of we know this guy's like a 30-point-per-game score, and it's been strange to see him struggle, in addition to his team not looking all that great, playing uh, below 500 right now. Yeah, he would have been my number one too because uh, he is much better than what we're seeing from him right now. Uh, but also, there's a lot of stuff going on in Portland. A new coach, off-court situation. Lillard just maybe you know this the off the off season speculation about his future as well as affecting him perhaps because this is kind of what Daryl Morey wants is a star struggling so maybe that deal can be had I don't think it happens but uh, Lillard hasn't had that um, you know that ability yet to really just drag the Blazers to a few convincing victories which we know he can do Mm -hmm. instead they're kind of middling. Uh, and I, again, this is the whole reason why I've talked to, I want Lillard to be in a different situation. It doesn't guarantee he's going to win a championship, but I just think his time in Portland isn't going to get any better than it's been so far. And, uh, and certainly the way that he's struggling so far this season makes you think that this season, they're not going to be able to turn it around. Uh, they just won't. I just don't like that roster. And, uh, until he really shakes off this rust, the Blazers are going to be middling team at best. Mm-hmm. So there it is. Those are my uh, top 10 most disappointing players. Now, I see a lot of people in the stream team. A little shocked, maybe, that I don't have James Harden in the mix. Sure. You, you could if you want to. Uh, I think he started to turn it on as of late. So I think you're sort of uh, stuck on maybe the uh, first week or two storylines there, in my opinion. But, yeah, he hasn't been great. He hasn't been, like, a top 75 player uh, of all time either. Other names, the old, what about this guy? Let's do it. Why not? Uh, Talking Blazers or sticking with Blazers. You know, I had Lillard at number one. Nurkic has been disappointing. (laughs) Uh, Could be in the mix. Clint Capella, Trey, you've brought him up 
a number of times on this uh, show already with the Hawks. He just sort of seems out of it and uh, has, has not uh, played like he did last year for Atlanta, for sure. No Duncan beefs. Robinson, what's that? No beefs, yeah. No man, beefs for Capella. Um, Duncan Robinson has struggled just with his three-point shot. I mean, he's a specialist, and he's paid to hit threes, and, and for the most part, pretty early on there, he couldn't hit one, uh, at least not to his consistency. Christian Wood got a lot of votes. I know that's a Rockets team that no one, like, cares about. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I looked into it. Nice. And, yeah, it's it's disappointing, sure. I guess I wasn't as high on Christian Wood, maybe, as some people are uh, or were. Uh, Derek White got some votes with the Spurs. I think, uh, you know, DeJounte Murray has blossomed into, like, the real young talent there, and, and Derek White is sort of, like, sputtering a little bit. Kemba Walker, there's a lot of votes for him. I, I mean... He's hitting threes. <laughs> like it's better than any Knicks guard has given them over the last couple of years. So uh, I didn't include him on my list. Terrence Ross, another guy. You know, I just think the hope. I, I think the magic hope that he would like <laughs> that he would play like he did last year, and then they could trade him for something. Uh, and he just he's been bad. But any other names you guys want to throw out there that uh, you want to say? What about this guy? He's disappointed me. A lot of good names there. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, I, I will say Dame. This. You did. I will say Dame is playing better of late. I know it's sort of gone yeah. under the radar, but last four or five, four of his last five games, shooting nearly fifty percent, forty-seven percent or higher, which would be a, a career high. I think he's he's coming on. He's feeling. It. I I was encouraged by Jason Tatum to his second half against the Cavs. He was more like a, a fulcrum of the offense, and Jared Weiss wrote about that recently. Maybe he can be back to doing that. Uh, I'm I'm hopeful that he can you know use all that gravity and. And pick up some other guys, but I, I'm, I, I, I too, I'm worried about this, uh, this Blazer situation. What's going to happen with Dame? So that's, that's what I'm looking at. But yeah, we, I don't know. I don't know if you can name another guy there, Skeets. You named well. You had some good street. ones. Yeah, I would add uh, Anthony Davis. I think is a is a mm. weird yeah. call on this one just because he, it looks like he's happy to be the number two to LeBron. Or to Westbrook, depending on who's kind of leading the charge for the Lakers there. He just hasn't put his stamp on the season. At this point, I had him as Defensive Player of the Year. That seems completely far-fetched at this point. Both Devontae Graham and Nikhil Alexander-Walker are shooting under 40%, Mm -hmm. which is a large part of the Pelicans' struggles. And I was kind of eyeballing Trey Young at first, because he had a slow start to the season, but suddenly he's scoring more points than he did last season, so... It'll be weird to me if somehow Trey Young ends up not being an all-star again this year. Mm. He wasn't last year, but he was one of the biggest stories of yeah. the playoffs, uh, especially against the Knicks, taking the Hawks to the Eastern Conference Finals. But it's possible he doesn't make the team if uh, if he continues to not put up massive, massive numbers. Yeah, there was some, uh, some love, I guess if you want to call it that, for being disappointing. Westbrook, Kevin Porter Jr., um, you know, this is a fun question from Sarah, actually. What kind of table do the most disappointing players get to see, sit at? <laughs> the one in the back where the legs aren't even even? The servers forget about you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's more one of those ones where they say, we're going to have, yeah, there's about a 20, 30 minute wait for your table. And so you're sitting there and then you see like four or five other people come in and they don't have to wait. They seem to get the table ahead of you. And you're like, has this dude forgotten about me or something? What's going on out here? And you have to go mm-hmm. up to the waiter and he's like, oh, yeah. How many was it? How many? Right. Four? Hmm. 
give us another five or ten minutes you know yeah. you're just like overlooked there so yeah, uh, it's, yeah it's definitely near the bathroom too yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. or you got like a cable shit. leg in your crotch <laughs> oh. yeah that's horrible yeah. too so there it is anyway my top 10 most disappointing players agree or disagree let us know i know you already are in the stream team but drop your comments below the video on youtube or tweet at us at no dunks inc we're going to take one more break when we come back jd's got tweet of the night got pick em results and a little bit more don't go anywhere been doing a bunch of retirement planning stuff lately so i've had documents flying in and out the mailbox a lot of signatures both analog and digital a lot of phone calls a lot of stamps got to get my long-term future straight yeah let me tell you skeets the things we build our future around are the things worth protecting making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones watch your assets with Trust and Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash nodunks for 10% off plus free document shipping. Trust and Will's website is simple to use and the process is straightforward. In no time, you'll have peace of mind that your assets and wishes are secure with easy access and control of your estate planning. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Whether it be care wishes, nomination guardians, final arrangements, or power of attorney, it's easy to ensure your family and loved ones avoid lengthy, expensive legal proceedings or the state deciding what happens to your assets. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with trust and will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash nodunks. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash nodunks. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right, back with Nodex. Let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Yeah, Tweet of the Night. Um, this popped into my feed uh, first thing in the morning, so I was very grateful. And actually, Skeets uh, suggested it as well. So uh, it comes by way of Kelsey Lately, Kelsey O'Brien on Twitter, uh, Kelsey underscore Lately, who retweeted... From Ball is Life, this player needs a nickname, and it's a picture. He's an unnamed guy. I, I tried to find out who it was, but he has a glorious moment. Yeah. It is wow. absolutely stunning. And it, it looks like he can play. I don't yeah, know. He looks decent, some, I guess. We're seeing some highlights from this gentleman here. Again, I have no idea who it is. He plays for the Knights. <laughs> wow. And, uh, you know, he's. Uh, look at that. It's look just at that shot. Yeah, it's oh, just oh my goodness. So we'll Kel- Kelsey had a nice little run of puns. You know how we love puns around here. So yep. uh, she she contributed <laughs> Billy Ray Allen. Yep. Billy Ray Allen. Yeah, uh, that's great. Isaiah Joe Dirt. I don't really get that one. <laughs> There's I mean, a basketball Isaiah... player named Isaiah Joe. Yeah. Oh, there is a player named Isaiah. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, the Fresh Prince of Bad Hair. I love that. <laughs> um, but then 
And then, uh, whoops. Uh, yeah, sorry. So, uh, and then she she followed that up with, I forgot, uh, Kenyan dueling banjo. Keon, Keon dueling banjo. Uh, Keon, Keon, Keon. Uh, uh, these are all out of order. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, anyways, and then she was, uh, <laughs> then she was trying to think of a DeMarcus cousin one, and then I already stepped on the joke. Uh, DeMar- DeMarc kissing cousins is great. Right, so that's from Jay Wilbur, and then she retweeted that. Uh, I'm going to add, uh, Grant Hillbilly into the mix. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Chris Mullet. Chris Mullen. Yeah. I don't know. Nice. Does that work? Yeah, Chuck Norris. Like, I like Cole. Chris Mullet, actually. Yeah, okay. it's it's pretty good. Trashy McGrady. Eh, looks yeah. better on paper. Uh, All <laughs> right. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Uh, Hulk Boban. Mm, like Hulk Hogan, because he had a mullet, famously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know they're stretching. I started with my best ones, I think. Uh, anyway, any any to add? What about Michael Redneck? <laughs> Michael Redneck that's great. That's really good. That's very good. good. I like this. Uh, if he ever makes it to the NBA and gets a basketball reference page, he will be known as the Mullet Mamba. Oh yeah, yeah. that's pretty good yeah. for sure. Uh, anyway, young. Uh, there was one other one other thing that caught my eye on Twitter this morning, and I saw that daylight savings time still trending. November seventh, like that's a week and a half ago. People are November still 17th. like, what? What? November seventh? It's oh, November seventeenth, but November seventh oh, <laughs> is when uh, daylight savings time. Uh, happened and let, let, look at all this. Why am I? This is from this morning, and I just grabbed like a whole bunch of them. You know, daylight savings has me dead tired at six thirty p.m. You know, not a fan of daylight savings. Daylight savings whooping my ass. Blah 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 blah. Guys, daylight savings ended. It ended on November seventh, <laughs> ten, yeah, days, ten ago. days ago. So, so you're complaining about time right now? Just regular time. I'm sorry it gets dark. It just, I prefer it. I prefer it. You fall back, you get the extra hour, but you're like, honestly, we're not going to be okay. We're, we're just not going to be okay. This hold is on, just... hold on, hold on. You prefer it getting dark at 5.30? Yeah. Here, be- you do? Why? Because I get up at fucking 5.30 in the morning and it's light. It's nice. Wow. All right. Well, you're an early bird. Well, it's like, it's seasons, man. It gets dark. It's darker for longer in the wintertime. I mean, honestly. And fine, you you complain about it the two days. You get two days, okay? Two days. I don't, yeah. Ten days later. You get one day of daylight saving complaint. Like, oh, man, daylight saving. Yeah, okay. Like you say, JD, it's time. You can't complain about time. Brutal. Anyway, that's it. Sorry, sorry for the rant there. Sorry, oh, that's right. You got a lot of people on the stream team agreeing with you. Yeah, you're a bit of a temper boy, no doubt. Oh, I love it. Is there a possibility there's somewhere in the world where they change this weekend? It's instead? possible, but I checked some of these profiles. They're in L.A. Yeah. They're like, yeah. what are you complaining about? They're, they're one they're guy's com- from they're Iowa. They're complaining about it getting dark early. That's right. what they're complaining about. As, as know, if it's I, the uh, first time this has happened. Well, right, you know? <laughs> right. That's the, the, the silly part. But, you know, you're right. The first couple days, it's a little shocking to your system. It feels like 10 o'clock at night, and you're like, wait, it's somehow it's only 6 o'clock. Like, what's going on here? But 10 days later, if you haven't adjusted, then yeah. Uh, if a four-year-old's going like, man, it used to get light later, and what's happened? You say, well, this is just the way it is in the world. They've got a reason to be like, oh, okay. Anyone who's old enough to have a Twitter account or be online, 
<laughs> They've been through enough summers and winters to understand. Oh, yeah. It gets lighter at some point of the year and it gets darker at the opposite end of the year. That's it. That's the way it goes. It's been exactly. that way forever. <laughs> Seasons. You ever heard of them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why do they call it fall? Anyone know? <laughs> All right, hey, great start, hey, hey, just oh. while we're on it, I'll never forget old my buddy Grish in Vegas. We're in Vegas for summer league. He goes, yep. oh, if anyone complains about the weather in uh, in Vegas in July, ooh, it's a dry heat. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. What were you expecting out here? <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, Any, anything else, Lee? You're on fire right uh, now. You're, hey, it's our last show. Make it good. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Make it a good one. Go out yeah. with a bang. That's exactly right. <laughs> All right. Great stuff, uh, JD. Fun, fun tweets there. Uh, pick and results brought to you by BetMGM. From last night, it was the Warriors-Nets game. Brooklyn was favored by two and a half. I took them, and I lost. Uh, Warriors hammered them, as we talked about with Dan Grenfeld there, uh, especially in the third quarter just crushed them so that's a win for all of you guys except for me uh tass is nine and three really tidy little record here in the month of november lee improved to seven and five trace back to 500 and i am five and seven so i am a game behind tk two behind lee there are a lot of games on again tonight tass um where are we going i thought this one was a very difficult one it's a close line the sacramento kings and their tumultuous situation visiting the Minnesota Timberwolves and their tumultuous situation. Uh, the Wolves are favored by one and a half points, though, at home. And uh, three of us riding with the home squad, I suppose, oh. because howl with them. Skeets, myself, and Lee are taking the Wolves to bounce back after that disappointing loss to the Phoenix Suns where they were up late. And Trey taking the Kings, who were able to uh, give Luke Walton another day in the sun. Only from 7 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., of course. Uh, So good luck to uh, the Kings and to the Wolves. There you go. Um, It's uh, Fox versus Beasley in the disappointing role, too. (laughs) Who will have a better game? That might decide who wins tonight. This game has major play-in implications down the line. Hopefully we get a leak from the Kings saying Luke Walton doesn't win this game, he's going to be fired. Because that is when they play their absolute best. But I am a little worried. Uh, you know, the sun goes down earlier. A lot more time for howling for those wolves up there. <laughs> right. Especially, Especially up further up north. Yeah. Come on. Uh, yeah, that's that's right. All right, guys. We'll call it there. Thanks again to our guest, uh, Dan Grunfeld, for coming on. Email in your questions, both NBA and non-NBA related, to nodunksattheathletic.com. Go get yourself some No Dunks merch, especially with the holidays right around the corner. Go to nodunks.com or breakingtea.com slash nodunks if you want to go that way as well. Get yourself an athletic subscription or get one for your friends for the holiday season. Go to theathletic.com slash nodunks. Speaking of the athletic task, you got uh, a little something special coming up here in, what, like 30 minutes, do you not? You want to explain that for the people out there, especially in the stream team at least? 30 minutes. I hope it's 30 minutes. You guys talking time zones got me worried. I'm uh, jumping on with uh, with Jason Quick, Blazers beat writer who's covered the team forever to talk about everything going on off the floor and on the floor as well with uh, Damian Lillard, obviously, the investigation going into Neil Olshay. A lot going on with the Blazers. So, yeah, 30 minutes, jump on. Live audio room on The Athletic. It's on The Athletic app. Okay. Yes. So make sure you have That's that, right. and then you'll see Tass there with uh, – Blazers beat reporter Jason Quick. That's at noon um, Eastern here. But what is time, really? Yeah, uh, not sure. Yeah, who knows? Well, great last show, guys. We'll do it again yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> Till then, Clipper Bros.
You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, it is our final show, so might as well go out with a bang. Um, I'm just going to howl. I think it's the best way to go out. Well, oh. Oh. <laughs> Embrace the day, people. You could stay. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.